Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. For more information, go to www.encounterccb.org. Amen. Well, good morning. And uh, I know it's been said already, but welcome. Uh, We're glad that you are here this morning. Uh, As Mike said, we are in our uh, last of our series of the Prince of Peace, where where we're talking about the name above all names. Uh, And that uh, Isaiah, way back several hundred years before Jesus was even born, uh, predicted that he would come and that his name would be a wonderful counselor. He would be called Mighty God. He would be called Everlasting Father. And today we'll learn that he will be called Prince of Peace. Uh, Really heavy names given hundreds of years ago. Uh, And when Jesus was born that first Christmas morning, uh, it was a joyous occasion. Uh, Today we get to talk about, I think, uh, something that's, that's an extremely important message, uh, and it's not because I'm giving it, but uh, because the Prince of Peace is something that I think everybody, from the, the most faithful follower to the most unrepented sinner in our society, today the Prince of Peace is what everybody uh, from those uh, wide spectrums and everybody in between really needs to draw on in their life. And so I'm excited Uh, to bring it this morning. Next week, we're going to start a message series entitled uh, The Greatest Story Ever Told. You know, uh, the Old Testament and the Bible has some really awesome stories. Uh, I'm sure you have your favorites, whether it's Daniel's in the lion den or Noah and the the ark. Uh, These stories are so great that Hollywood has made movies about them. Uh, Well, we're going to spend a few weeks talking about our favorite stories of the Bible and and why they're important. Like, you know the details, you know there's a flood for 40 days, but why the significance of those? So I invite you to come back next week and hear the first in the series of of the greatest story ever told. Well, when you think about peace, what do you think about? What do you think about when the word peace is mentioned? Maybe it's a a baby sleeping in a crib underneath a warm blanket. It's a pretty peaceful thought if you think about it, especially if you're a parent of that child and it's not screaming and it's finally not, uh, you know, uh, making a ruckus. That's a very peaceful moment. Maybe for you, peace uh, is uh, two enemies laying down their guns and not fighting anymore. Maybe when you think of the word peace, you think of, uh, of a sunset over the ocean and you can hear the crashing of the waves Man, that for me is peaceful. I just love that. But what do you think about when you hear the word peace? Maybe for you, peace looks like this. Taking a nap with an Oreo on your forehead. There's nothing wrong with that. And Pastor Dave likes to do that often. We don't judge him. Doesn't he look peaceful there? That's great. He's going to love that. But what do you think about when you think about the word peace? While uh, the opposite, what, what do you think about when uh, things are not peaceful around your house? You know, the last few weeks I was thinking about peace and not peace, and I was thinking about things that, that make me kind of irritated and frustrated. Uh, and what about, uh, I just want to call a couple things to your attention. Uh, what about a toothpaste roll? When you look at that, that is not peaceful for someone like me. That is ridiculous. Now, peace means this. That's the way toothpaste should be. Right? All right, show the next one of them together. I want you to raise your hand. Uh, are you a, does your toothpaste roll look like this, or does your toothpaste roll look like that? All right, we got a lot of Bs here because you guys are good, holy people. If you are an A, you need help because you are not peaceful. You're causing unrest in your home. 
Well, the old uh, 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 story of the toilet, the toilet paper roll, uh, are you an under-roller or are you an over-roller? You see, uh, you can either be uh, an over-roller or you can do it the improper way, all right? So are you either, are you A, an over-roller or are you B, an under-roller? Yeah, thank you. There's a lot of holy people here. But if you are an under-roller, you do not cause, you cause uh, unrest in your home. You know, experts say an overroll provides easier access to, free, uh, to the free end of the toilet paper and minimizes the risk of knuckle-on-wall uh, on germs, right? So if you're this and you're trying to grab this, you're, you're scraping your knuckles on the wall, and so you're, you're spreading germs that way. And so the next time someone goes to you, like, give you a fist bump instead of a hand check, uh, or handshake, you should ask that person if they're an under or over roller, because if they're under, they have knuckle, uh, germs on their knuckles. Or uh, I'm going to play this video. Uh, does this cause peace in your life, or does this uh, cause uh, uh, anger? sure we have a lot of ice, keep it going, I'm sure we have a lot of ice chewers uh, out there, and you're looking at this little ice buffet, and you think, that is wonderful. But if you could see my brother right now, he's about ready to tear someone's lips apart. This right here can cause unpeace in a household or a restaurant or wherever you are. Okay, that's good. That's enough of that. When you hear the word peace, what comes to mind? You know, the di dictionary defines the word a peace as a freedom from disturbance or a state or period in which there is no world war. Freedom from disturbance. Well, when you think about the Prince of Peace, when we talked about that verse in Isaiah, in, in verse 6, chapter 9, verse 6, where he says that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace, what does that mean? What is true biblical peace? And the answers can be found uh, in the Bible. And uh, they are, uh, there's going to be four things that we have. Uh, and if you have the message outline, um, uh, it, it's uh, posted online. We have four points. Uh, the first point is this. In Christ, we discover upward peace. In Christ, we discover upward peace. Upward peace is the basis of all true peace. It's a peace that one needs and receives when Jesus is accepted as their Lord and Savior. You see, in our sinful state, we are enemies with God, right? Romans 5 verse 8 says this, it said, but God demonstrates his own, love, his own love for that in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us not because we, we were good and we deserved it and it was Christmas and he felt like giving cheer and joy to everybody. He, he died for us while we were sinners, because of his sacrifice, we're restored to a relationship of peace with God. Check out Romans 5 verse 1 where he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace that we need most comes through a relationship with God that's brought to us only through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, when we are when we are sinful, there's kind of a, a divide, a, a wall that's put up between God and us that we can't knock down, that we can't amend. 
And it's only through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, who came down and said, I will, I will bear the punishment of your sin so that you can have a right relationship with God, your Father. And therefore, we are in peace with God only through the act of what Jesus did on the cross. You see, when we become Christians, I mean, we accept that Jesus died for our sins on the cross. We are granted peace with God, and that's, that's what we can call a saving peace. And it means that this, 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 this partition that I just talked about is, is broken down. Ephesians 2 says this, 14 through 15, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. You capture that? We were at war with God. Like we weren't like shooting at him, that kind of war, but we were at war with God and that peace was not had. Until Jesus came, and until you put your, your faith into him, you won't have that peace with God. And that's why it's so important to have a daily faith in Christ. Not just a one and done moment where you put your faith in him and you say, all right, check that off the box. I've got that done. I've got you know, religion handled. Christianity is something that we put to practice every single day because every single day we are sinners. And sin will get in our way every single day. Even the most faithful follower of Jesus Christ needs to put this faith into action every single day. Because sin can wreck and destroy and, and create havoc in your life. And if you hold on to that sin, if you allow your sin to define you, whether that's, that's anger or, or jealousy or whatever, if you allow that very thing to define who you are, that peace that you had with God when you made that decision will be eroded. And so that's the saving peace is more than just a one and done moment. It is meant to change our life forever, every day. The greatest need for peace in our world today is, is this upward peace uh, with God. But there's a second truth about peace, and that's point number two in our outline, is that in Christ we discovered an inward peace. So we have this upper, upward peace or this, this vertical peace with God, and now we have, point number two, this inward peace. Once we have a, a peace with God, we're ready for real peace within Unfortunately, many Christians don't experience this, this inner peace that we can have, that we're afforded by God, because they don't understand how to activate it. You have to activate this inward peace in your life, or you won't have it. In John 14, 1, we read this, where Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Check that out, that first word out, let let not, or don't do this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let it not be troubled. Believe in God. There's an important element here, that, that word let, when referring to a troubled heart. The problem for the believer is that he lets his heart be troubled. You allow this, 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 this uh, turmoil in your life, this, this inner turmoil to happen. And Jesus is saying here in John 14, don't do that. There's an answer to that. There's a solution that's afforded to you. Do it. Unlock this peace in you. 
There must be something that we do in ourselves, something totally unnecessary, which causes us to lose our peace. You want to see what it looks like to not have your heart be troubled? That there is a guy whose heart is not troubled. You look good there, Pastor Mike. <laughs> Turn to Isaiah 26.3. I want to spend a few moments here. If you have a Bible, uh, you can follow along there. But there's a key scripture there that I want to uh, talk through the next uh, few moments. And it's this. You will keep in perfect peace with him whose mind is steadfast. Because he trusts in you. You will keep in perfect, doesn't that sound good, perfect peace, by the way? You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. It's an awesome piece of scripture. It's beautiful to read, it's lovely to learn, and it's even more lovely and awesome to embrace in your life. This verse states that God will keep in perfect peace Uh, Those whose minds are steadfast, trusting in him. The word keep literally means to guard, to protect, to hide, and to conceal. We must not miss the point of this one word. Those who, who meet the conditions set out by God are protected by the Lord because they are hidden in the Lord. No, we're not we're not kept from trouble. This is a point an important point. We're not kept from trouble, but we are hidden in the one who walks with us through that trouble. Jesus did not keep the disciples from the storm. The storm came. But he was with them in the storm, and he hid them from harm that was caused by the storm. The storm could only do to them what he allowed, and he would only allow that which was for their good. Then look at that word perfect. We can bring that back up. The next word in there was perfect. You'll be interested to know that the word perfect uh, does that, doesn't actually occur in the Hebrew text. You might as well ask you know, why the translators uh, put it there. They, they placed the word perfect in the text because of an unusual pattern used by Isaiah when writing the passage in Hebrew. The writer of the Hebrew text actually put the word peace in the sentence twice. So it virtually reads, you will keep in peace peace with him who is steadfast. You will keep in peace, peace, emphasizing that word peace. When something is to be emphasized, we occasionally repeat it. Did you know that a a bonbon is a special candy, right? Anybody like bonbons here? Well, the word bonbon in the the French language, bon just means the word great. So the term bonbon just simply means great, great. So pass me a great, great. Like if they repeat the word, it makes it sound better. And so that's why they put that in the original text. They put the word twice, peace, peace, emphasizing that word, peace. Remember that Jesus said in in Luke 14, 27, he said, peace I leave with you. Right, this is is after kind of his, his life and his ministry and he was preparing them. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, Jesus repeats this phrase, peace. He says it twice in the same sentence. He says, peace I leave, my peace I give. It's not just, uh, this is not just peace. This is not uh, uh, just an an ordinary peace. This is a bonbon peace. This is a, a good peace. It's perfect peace. 
There is, however, a condition to obtaining this peace. And let me share with you that there, uh, there is saving peace that we talked about earlier, and then there is living peace. And this living peace is somewhat different. Living peace is the tranquility of the heart. It's, uh, it, it's the calmness of the soul, even in the midst of life's adverse winds. Having peace in your life doesn't mean that life is all grand and life is working out, working out well. Peace means that you have this inward calmness in you despite the storms going around, despite the, the chaos of your life. Having this inward uh, uh, tranquility and, and uh, this, this message of it is well with my soul, that's what true biblical peace is. Living peace is the serenity of the mind despite the stabbing pangs of, of fear and doubt and anxiety and depression and temptation and all other attacks on our emotional well-being. So what is a condition that must be met in order to have living peace? The text states that the mind must be steadfastly fixed on him, steadfastly fixed on God. The word mind means the form or pattern of one's thinking. Look at Genesis way back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 6, verse 5, and read, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The phrase inclination of thought comes from the same Hebrew word as, as the word mind in our text. In other words, the way we frame our thoughts, the way we imagine things, is what is meant by our word mind. And if we allow our mind to, to uh, go on to anything else that is not fixed on Jesus, if we allow our mind to be fixed on our problems, fixed on the chaos, fixed on our, our the, the turmoil, that, turmoil that we are going through, we won't have this peace. Right? We're opening up the door to, you know, as we call, stinking thinking. To do otherwise is to allow Satan to build this, this mental stronghold which can only be taken by divine power, bringing every thought into captivity and making them obedient to Christ. There's one other word in Isaiah 26, 3, if you can bring that up again, which is very important. Note that we are to trust in him, trust in the Lord. The word trust is fascinating. It means to be kind of careless almost, right? If you say that you're careless, it's usually not a good trait, but this word trusting in him is almost meant to be careless. It means to lean upon without fear or doubt. You see, when I sit down in, in my chair at home, I don't think, is this thing going to collapse? Is this thing going to tip over? I just sit down almost carelessly because I'm trusting in the fact that I'm going to sit there and it's going to hold me. This is what, it's, this, is what this word trust is, is meaning. Right? It's meaning it mentally and emotionally we're to sit carelessly upon the lap of our Lord. We are to trust Him reckless, recklessly. You cannot have peace of mind as God has designed it for you otherwise. James 1 verse 8 states that the double-minded man is unstable in all he does. What makes us double-minded anyway, more than anything, is doubt. Doubting what can be done. We doubt that we deserve the love of God. We doubt that, that God's promises were actually meant for us. We assume the promises of God may have been meant for others, but surely not someone like me. God sees this doubt as a lack of faith in him, not just, not just a lack of faith in his promises, 
And to be quite honest, God's promises are as true as God is true. His promises are trustworthy as he is trustworthy. Philippians 4 verse 7 is a well-known verse and uh, uh, where Paul wrote about a peace that goes beyond what we can even comprehend or understand, right? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here God promises to guard our hearts and his minds with peace. Verse after verse after verse give you this promise that says that this Prince of Peace who was born on Christmas Day, something we celebrated two days ago, this guy, this, this baby that will be born will usher in peace in your life. And then you have subsequent scriptures that teach you how to unlock that peace in your life. Let me ask you today, do you have peace in your life? This inward peace. I'm not talking about, you know, is your life uh, uh, perfect? Are there no uh, uh, turmoil? Is there no uh, fires going on in your life? I just mean, despite all that's going on, do you have that peace in you? Are your mind, is your thought fixed on God? What is worrying you today? What is causing you anxiety? And whatever it is, it's not from God. He does not want the redeemed to live without peace. He told us not to let our hearts be troubled. He told us that, that, that he was giving us his peace. We must lean our minds, our thinking, and our imagination upon him. He will come to us when we do that, and he will give us not only his peace, but his glorious presence. You see, this peace that we're talking about is best felt in the toughest of situations that you can go through. You know, when you get word that your company is downsizing and you're being laid off, that peace can be super real in your life. When your daughter is battling an addiction or a, an in, a mental illness that seems to be beating her, that's when this peace can really be felt. When you're sitting in a doctor's office, when you've gotten a tough diagnosis, that's when this peace can be felt the most when your wife or your husband decide that they want to end the marriage. That's when this peace is felt the most. When a loved one lies in a hospital bed battling for their life, that's when this peace can be felt the most. These are all the times that were made. They were made for the Prince of Peace to show up and show off. See, we're not kept from trouble, but we are hidden in the one who walks with us through the trouble. It's this very thought that calls the psalmist to write in Psalm 9, where he says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold for those times in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Isn't that awesome? I always thought that would be so great to tattoo that verse in the palm of your hand. If you ever want to do that, go for it. You can take my idea. Because when you are in the roughest times in your life, it's your hand that holds your head up as you weep. 
It's your hand that wipes away the tears. And if you had that hand, that same hand that holds it up your head and wipes the tears right there that says, that they, that says the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. He's a stronghold for the times of trouble. Remember that. Because peace doesn't just automatically come in those times. You have to unlock it. You have to let it be. Our Lord came on that first Christmas to grant us this upward peace. He came to grant us this inward peace. But there's a third peace that he comes to grant, and that's this. In Christ, we discover outward peace. We discover outward peace. The third kind of peace we need uh, to be aware of is with, the, 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 with the, the people that we live with, the people all around us, this, this uh, horizontal peace, the people all you know, side to side to us. Hebrews 12, 14 through, 14, uh, 14 through 15 says this. Strive for peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. You see, we should make every effort to live in peace and to avoid allowing roots of bitterness to grow up between us and others. When you're not right with someone with whom that you, uh, you should have this, this spirit and this relationship with, you won't enjoy the full peace of God in yourself. Again, we read in Romans 12, verse, uh, verse 18, it says, If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You are responsible for peace in relationship as far as it depends on you. Now, there are certain people, certain individuals where that peace will probably never be able to come. Amends will never be able to be made with that person. I'm not talking about that. But God gives us what we need to make amends and to have peace with those people in our life. And that's what he's talking about here. This peace with others played out perfectly with old man Marley. He got into a bit of an argument with his son uh, several years back, and ever since then, uh, he and his son hadn't spoke. Marley could only see that his, uh, his grandkids, when his son wasn't around because of their relationship, was just in, in such turmoil. There was no peace in that family until one day, one Christmas Eve, the little neighbor boy next door, eight-year-old Kevin, came over and he talked to old man Marley in the church. And he told him, uh, old man Marley admitted that he was afraid to call his son. And Kevin told Marley that he should call his son. And whether or not his son talked to him, he would know and he would not be afraid any longer and that he would have peace. We have the picture of old man Marley and Kevin. Old man Marley took his advice. He called his son that night and the next morning, Christmas morning, Marley's son came over to his dad's house and they hugged and they made up and they spent Christmas morning together. Now, Home Alone is one of the greatest Christmas movies made. Uh, and maybe this is a little bit of a stretch of what the Prince of Peace does. But if you remember in that movie, right, Marley and his son had this battle for years together. They just didn't talk. And all it took was just a reaching out to a person. When you have that inward, inward peace of yourself, you then can spread it out to others and have peace with them. Is there somebody in your life that you're at odds with? Somebody who you may be arguing with that, that you just have not been the right with in the past. Maybe they wronged you in some way and you have a, a legit reason to be a little upset. You can't have this full 
inward peace of you, though. You can't have, be, be filled with the Prince of Peace without the desire to want to make peace with those around you. Not to make sure you're right, not to make sure they know they're wrong, but for you just to have peace with that person. Is that the Prince of Peace that you need today? And then there's a fourth peace that we have that we discover. Uh, in Christ, we discovered an onward peace. This is an onward, everlasting peace. One day, the Prince of Peace is coming back. One day, the Lord of glory, who came as a little baby, who was placed in a manger, who was held in Mary's arms, will return as a reigning Lord on a white stallion. Jesus is coming to set up a kingdom of peace on this earth. The lion will lay down with the lamb. The swords will be put away. When Jesus ascends after his resurrection, the angel promised that he would come again in like manner, riding upon the clouds. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia states that the return of Jesus to bring peace on earth is mentioned 318 times in the Bible. As Jesus kept his first promise to come, he will also keep his second to come again. James 5 verse 8 says, You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. In 2 Peter verse 3, the whole entire chapter, we are told that he is coming, that, that we should be sure that we are at peace with him. For we know, for all we know, Christ, we can live in the promise of an onward peace, a peace which will be eternal in the presence of our Lord. Have you made peace with God? Have you received his son into your life? If not, today is a day to do so. If you don't have that, that, that very first piece that we talked about, that, that, um, that saving piece where you've accepted Christ as your atonement uh, for your sins, and you don't have that peace with God, that's your step today. That's your step to say, I accept Christ in my life. For many of us who have received him, we still did not live in the full peace that he offers. We've, we haven't formed our, our thinking by his word, or we haven't uh, fixed our trust in him. We're still trusting in self, we're trusting in job, we're trusting in, in health or money or something else besides God. Our full trust hasn't been put into Him, and that is causing strain in our inward self. We cannot have peace like that. So maybe for you today, for you this Christmas season, for you, you accept the Prince of Peace and that you need this inward peace in your life. No matter what struggle you're going through, what's happening in your life, that Prince of Peace will give you that, that calmness to know that it is well. Still others lack peace with one another. You haven't done all that you can do to live in peace with those around you and what the Bible says we must do. So maybe for you, your step is to reach out to that person, to send a text, an email, make a phone call. Come to the Prince of Peace today and find new full peace for your heart and your soul. In Luke 2, 14, we read, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I pray for that peace on you and your family this Christmas. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for giving us Jesus. Lord, peace came, peace lived, peace died, and peace still remains because peace is a person and peace 
is Jesus. Lord, thank you for that gift, the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive. And Father, today we proclaim that you are the wonderful counselor. Lord, you are a mighty God. You are our everlasting Father, and you are the Prince of Peace. May that reality be so clear in our lives today, Lord. May we accept more of you today. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in your Son, Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. For more information, go to www.encounterccb.org.